0: Welcome, you're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome into the second part of this conversation on manifesting alchemy, turning lead into gold. Now, before we dive deep into the second part of this, I want to make you aware that I currently have one open spot in my unlimited coaching package. It's laser coaching, but you have full access to me for an entire year. So whenever you think you need it or any anytime you think you want it, you can schedule a call and we can talk it out. Now, there is only one spot available and that's for a reason because I do limit the number of people that I work with at any given time So I can dedicate the energy, time, and focus to you, to your issues, challenges, and your growth, and that I'm not spread out across you know a large number of people. Now, this is going to be a perfect fit for the right person. Well, this is actually a great benefit to a large number of people, but like I said, there is only one spot available, and once that's filled, this offer will go away. This particular coaching package will not exist after the first of the year. I'm changing the format, I'm changing how I'm delivering my one-on-one coaching, and the prices are going up. So, if you're interested at all, go to yesdaniel.com and check it out. If it's beyond your means, there is the Wisdom Vault, which is where my courses are, the Intuition course and the Accurate Thinking course, along with some hypnotic audios, focusing on mind mastery and spiritual growth. I'm also taking applications for my signature coaching program, The Aligned Self. That kicks off the end of September, and that is a group program where we redefine, recreate your self-identity to match the vision that you have for your life. So now that I've paid the bills, let's get into the second part of this episode on alchemy, manifesting alchemy, turning lead into gold. And I didn't say this earlier, but if you haven't listened to episode one, you may want to go back there and listen to that first. But on this episode, I do start off with a personal story that uh, you could consider led, that we had to transmute, transform into a growth opportunity because on the surface, it was not that comfortable. It was not something that I would say, ah, I wish I manifested this. But again, we asked the questions. What does this now make possible? What does this make available? How is this helping me grow? Where in this is the opportunity? And so with that, here's the rest of the story. For instance, I don't know if you heard about it, but back in February 2021 in Texas, there was an unprecedented drop in temperature. There was a freeze, there was snow, there was ice, there was power failures. And our family living in Fort Worth, Texas, was huddled around the fireplace with a freezing house. And we had periods of, at our house, and it varied from location, but we had periods of uh, 10, 15, 24 hours in a stretch with no power and single-digit temperatures. Now, I had the pool running uh, nonstop just to keep the water flowing so it wouldn't freeze in the pipes. But as soon as the power went off, you could see the ice began to form on the surface of the pool. And when it was all said and done, there was um, easily four inches of ice in the pool. And as everyone knows, this ice expands and expands out and buckles the, the siding of the pool. Now, we could have surrendered to the situation and succumbed to it, but we were designed to thrive. It wasn't what we were used to, and we could, we could there were things we could do. So as we began running out of firewood, we just had a little bit because we don't typically burn fires here in Texas. I started pushing down and cutting down some trees that had been in the yard that my wife has been after me to take care of. And I just kind of put it off. But now was the time. I, in my mind, thinking I was saving that for this very moment. But we soon ran out of that firewood and my wife put out a message on Facebook over the phone and asking if anyone in the neighborhood had any extra wood. Just turns out, neighbor, two doors down, had a project that he wanted to work on several years ago, and had this pile of lumber in his backyard. But because he didn't do anything with it, it was laying there, slowly rotting. He said, you're welcome to it. Anything that you can find that you want to take, feel free. And, actually, I met my neighbor for the first time through that transaction. And over the next couple hours, I went back and forth between the houses carrying lumber. And that would help sustain a somewhat comfortable temperature. It wasn't really comfortable. It was like 45 degrees in our main living area. But it didn't warm the whole house. And as a consequence, some of the pipes froze and we did not have running water. In fact, the water was shut off by the city. And some pipes froze. So what do we do for drinking water? What do we do for, uh, because the the roads are a sheet of ice also, you know, to drive anywhere and the stores aren't open because they don't have power. What do you do for water? Well, it turns out that in our backyard, we have a 40,000 gallon holding tank, which before this, we always referred to as our swimming pool. So I took a fire poker that one of my former students had made me, one of my fire walking students, he gifted me a hand forged fire poker. It was like three and a half feet long. It was a beaut. And I used that to chop a hole in the ice. And then I broke up the ice, which actually helped relieve a lot of the pressure against the sides of the pool. And I had like, you know, if I was going ice fishing, I could have easily ice fished in that hole. But I was able to put a bucket in there. And we, I put it in pots and we were able to boil it. We did have, you know, gas stove. So we could boil water to drink and I would use a bucket to help flush the toilet manually. But while we weren't necessarily thriving in this situation, we were somewhat comfortable. We all slept in front of the fire. It was actually some very beautiful moments, us all talking, the adult kids and the parents. We were reminiscing. You know, we didn't have any other entertainment other than just talking to each other, and it was really nice. Really nice. By candlelight and firelight. Well, like I said, all the pipes froze. And after about five days, the power came on, and the house began to warm up. And as a consequence, the pipes that were frozen and split opened up. And like I said, I tend to get up early. And it just so happened that I was up about 4 a.m. And why was I up? I had a dream. I had an intuitive dream. I had a dream that pipes were bursting all over the place and flooding the entire house. And I got up in a start, like in a rush. My wife said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, oh, nothing. It must have been a dream because it sounded like a waterfall. I got up and I went downstairs and just was kind of hanging out, listening. I couldn't hear anything. It was quiet. And I started to walk back upstairs and suddenly I could hear water running. The faucets upstairs started running because we had opened them up to allow the, the drip, drip, drip. Uh, so the pipes wouldn't freeze. And when they shut off the water, things just froze. And then I heard the water run. and I ran upstairs and I turned off the faucets. But I could still hear water going. I turned off all the faucets and I could still hear water. And I heard the cat in the other room start meowing. Loudly, the floor is starting to flood. Pipe had burst in the wall and was flooding. And so in my bare feet out in the snow, I grab a couple wrenches and I'm out in the street trying to turn off the water to the house. And you know, I'm all adrenalized and ready for for battle, and I finally got the water turned off. But by that time, by the time I got it off, and it was only thirty minutes, I can only imagine. What had happened if I was? we were not home or if we had slept right through it? But even though it was just 30 minutes, it devastated two and, a half, two and a half rooms and caused several tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage. We ended up having to vacate the house while they renovated. Fortunately, insurance took care of much of it, much of it. And again, how, how do you rise above this? Because not only did this happen to us, it happened to lots of people. And so to bring people in, to repair it, to bring people in just to clean it up was six weeks, they were saying, before anyone would even come in and look at it. And by this time, things had, things had heated up. And how it is in Texas, you know, to be freezing one day, the next day, it's 75. Well, it was 75. The very next day after the, the power came on, it was 75 and was 80 degrees after that. It was getting warm. And so all this wet carpet, all this wet, these wet walls began turning musty. And we didn't want mold in the house. But it was five, six weeks before we could get anybody in. So what do you do? I started a company. I formed a, a small reclamation company where I did all the removal work myself. I documented everything. I had a water meter, what moisture meters, so I could sense the t- the amount of moisture in the walls and took readings. I cut out all the drywall three feet up. I I just, I removed all the damages to make, just to make it livable and palatable. Well, long story short, I could go into a lot of the details about this and they're really not that important. Um, And I I probably got a little carried away going over that, that history of what was going through there. But I was continually asking the question, how does this serve me? What does this now make possible when you're, when you meet adversity these questions help you mine the gold and separate it from the lead, transform, transmute the lead into gold. How does this now serve me? What does this now make possible? So from that perspective, a higher vibrational point of view, from my opinion, we had synchronicity after synchronicity come in. Had a guy come in and, and fix the pipe in the wall and didn't charge us. He, it was supposed to be like three, $400 dollars. And he ended up never sending a bill. And then through the remodeling process, we upgraded some of the materials. We upgraded the carpeting, repainted the walls. We did a lot of the things that we had been putting off doing to get the house ready. If we wanted to sell it, we could sell it, updating several things. And we just had a good reason to do it. Another thing that happened at this time, like I said, we had moved out into, I think I said that we moved out into a hotel while they were doing all the renovations, And after the majority of the dusty, noisy renovation work was done, my wife and the kids moved back in the house. But we still had the hotel. And so I stayed some days. I would go back and forth from the house, and I'd actually work and uh, be in solitude in the hotel, because we had it for another three weeks. And I was actually recording the podcast that when I was a co-host of the Subconscious Mind Mastery, I was recording the podcast there in the room. But having this time by myself in the hotel room. By this time, it was uh, April 10th, April 11th, and uh, it's been two months after the first freeze in Texas. And I still had another two and a half, three weeks yet in the hotel. But sitting by myself in the hotel, and after having a few conversations with Thomas that uh, shifted my perspective on the future of our, our partnership, I sat with the idea of what did I really want and what intuitively came through, is I wanted to start my own podcast. And so, on April 16th, 2021, I started The Aligned Self. I created it, I recorded the first episode, it was released. I told Thomas I was leaving, thank you very much. And seemingly, in a friendly gesture, he he downloaded all the episodes that I recorded on the Subconscious Mind Mastery, and made them available to me to repurpose for This podcast, well, I didn't do that because they just didn't fit. I would have had to re-edit everything. And so I I didn't use, I maybe used one episode from that, uh, my, my tenure with the Subconscious Mind Mastery. So everything that I've created on The Aligned Self has been generated in alignment with my decision to start my own podcast around the messages and lessons that I wanted to convey. So all this was born out of the contrasting situations, the seemingly low vibration, calamity, tragedy, however you want to call it, it came out of that. You see, it's not what happens to you. It's how you handle, how you respond to what happens. Garber Matei is a a doctor, a, a psychologist who specializes in healing trauma. And he says that everyone experiences traumatic events, but there's a difference between traumatic events and trauma. Seemingly innocuous events can create trauma in people because what creates trauma, long-lasting trauma, is how we choose to receive the experience. And unfortunately for a lot of people, these traumatic experiences happen when you're young. When you're, you're not fully formed in the head, you don't have the perspective, the psychology to transmute it, to self-regulate. That's a new word I learned fairly recently. I just thought it was mind mastery. But now they call it self-regulation, where you can take control and manage your emotions. But not knowing any better when these traumatic events happen to little people, to innocent people. You look out at the world and you think it has to be something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not lovable. I'll never measure up. And again, these, these circumstances don't necessarily have to be terribly devastating. Some of them are, some of them definitely are horrendous, fucking hideous. But there's others that aren't that bad. Like I was the oldest of five kids. And as I got in my teen years, I got less and less attention just because there was more attention on the little kids. They needed it. But there was a part of me that felt abandoned. And I don't know exactly how I internalized it, but I can remember feeling like unloved, which is ridiculous, which is ridiculous. In our household, there was a lot of love. But I didn't get the attention I wanted, so I made that mean that I was abandoned. That I wasn't good enough. I have since fixed that error in thinking. But, like I said, the circumstances weren't that hideous. It wasn't like wasn't outwardly or uh, obviously traumatic. I mean, other people wouldn't look at it and say, well, that's a traumatic experience. So, let me turn the mirror towards you. Have you had experiences in your past that you've made mean something about you, depreciating about you, that may have meant something else entirely and may have pointed to someone else's failing, somebody else's ability or inability to parent effectively or just to communicate effectively? Maybe they had their own shit they were dealing with and they just couldn't deal with, you know, loving. Maybe they never taught how to love. They had their own stuff. And again, just like the scorpion, we acquiesce to our nature. You need to accept your nature. Not that you can't change it, but don't make yourself wrong for what you've dealt with and where you are at the moment. You see, wherever you go, there you are. It's the law of location. You can't be anywhere else than the where you are in this moment. Now, sometimes people find themselves in a place where they never really intended to. By the time they realize, look at the signs, they're someplace other than where they thought they would be. And sometimes they say, I'm lost or I'm stuck. You realize the moment you say that, you're creating your reality. The only thing that you can justify is why are you lost? Why are you stuck? Because you have to explain that. If you just are where you are, and then you have a destination in your mind, an intention in your mind, and begin focusing on that intention, then your resources, your energy, is oriented towards moving towards the intention. It's not invested in being stuck. It's not invested in being hurt. It's not invested in being traumatized. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Daniel Boone, the American Frontiersman. I ain't never been lost, but I was once bewildered for about three days. I've had many a time in my life where I've been bewildered, but I've never declared myself lost. I always knew that I was heading somewhere. And just that realization is freeing. There's a lot of freedom in knowing that you can go anywhere, do anything at any point in time, that where you are, you're not stuck in. Again, I had this, I may have told this story once before, I was sitting on the front porch in our house and I, when I was growing up, and we grew up, or I grew up, in a really small town. There might have been 800 people, maybe 1,000 people that lived in the, in the city. And by the time I graduated from high school, it might have been closer to 2,000. But let's say that just about everybody knew everybody. And we lived on one of the main roads in town, in Michigan. I was sitting on the front porch, contemplating some things that I overheard some adults talking about basically that they had been born, grew up, and expected to die in that little town. I'm sitting on the front porch. I'm 12 years old, and I see the cars go by maybe one or two every five, ten minutes. Now they zip by 20, 30 cars every five minutes, but it's a different time. But I was contemplating, how would I get somewhere else? How would I leave this town? I'm 12, remember. I don't know how to drive. My only resource is that I have a bike. It's a blue bike with a white banana seat and chopper handlebars. I thought it was pretty cool. But, you know, that's all I had. And I'm thinking, how could I ever leave this town? And it just occurred to me. Well, I would just ride my bike down the street to the light in town. The only light in town. And there I had four decisions to make. Do I turn left? Do I turn right? Do I go straight? Or do I turn around and go the other way? And I thought if I turn right, I'd go down to the next stop sign. And there I would have another set of decisions, another set of choices to make. And depending on which choice I made would lead me to another stop sign, another street sign, another stoplight, another choice point, another decision point. And I worked it out in my head that choice after choice after choice, I could ride my bike around the world. Now, I had no idea how I was going to get across Russia, but I figured I'd just figure it out once I got there. Maybe someone could take me on a wagon. Maybe someone could pull me, you know, I could sit in the back of a truck. Somebody could get me up to the Bering Straits, and I might take a canoe or a boat or something over into Alaska and then pedal my way back down to Michigan. There was such a freeing peace of mind in knowing that I can go anywhere from here. I can be anything I want, anything I choose to be. I can teach myself. I can learn. I can adapt. I can grow. Your past does not define you. And the, the only real message of this, this episode was to let you know things are going to really screw up. Shit's going to really hit the fan from time to time. And you know, I, I don't know if I specifically said it and, but I'm going to say it. And if I repeat myself, so be it. Back when I was talking about region, region bias, uh, paradox, the idea that sometimes things get worse before they get better. It's the universe's way to catalyze you to take an initiative that is completely different, a different path, a different mindset, where you say, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm on a new path. Because how you were living was not in alignment with this grand intention that you made. And so the universe had to shake things up for you in order to position you in a new direction, to put you on a different road, on a new path. So you could rendezvous with your intention. That's what I believe. So just in case nobody told you, life isn't fair. It doesn't go according to plan. It doesn't always, typically, it doesn't usually go the way you think it will. But it always is working out for you. It is always there to support you. The universe has your back. If you look for it, there's support. If you ask for it, there's help. And this is another perspective on why Manifesting is a spiritual adventure, a spiritual journey. You're not meant to be dictated or have your reality dictated by external circumstances and events. You're meant to be inner-directed. Allow your life to unfold from your inner vision. This is 5D, fifth dimensional manifesting. You create the effect in your mind. You create the vision in your mind. And you align your, your actions and your emotions with that vision. And then the law of attraction brings in the circumstances that make that real for you, makes it tangible. But this is something they do also, they don't tell you on the manifesting journey. The purpose is not to make money. The purpose is not to create stuff. The purpose is that journey of moving from lead to gold. How do you transmute the energy? How do you shift your perspective? How do you become response-able in the face of adversity? So it's not the stuff. It's not the fucking Lamborghini. It's not the house. Can't take that stuff with you when you leave. It's who you become in the process. It's who you choose to be in the process. Well, my friend, that's it for this one. This is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure.